0: I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. I'm a medical writer and patient educator who lives with a J-pouch due to ulcerative colitis. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 143. You've heard me say this before, but IBD is a disease of young people. Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are unfortunately being diagnosed in more younger people than ever before. My guest is Joseph Miller. Joseph is a teenager who was recently diagnosed with Crohn's disease. He decided to channel his experiences in a variety of ways. He created an initiative called Positivity Beats IBD, where volunteers create inspirational greeting cards that are given to infusion center patients. He also wrote a book entitled The Purple Rose. It is a narrative poem that is fictional, but draws from Joseph's experiences as a young Crohn's disease patient. Joseph tells me about his disease journey, his mission for Positivity Beats IBD, and his writing process. Plus, stick around for the end where I ask him a question that is so controversial, it is hotly debated in some corners of the internet. Joseph, thank you so much for coming on About IBD.
1: Thanks, Amber. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It is absolutely my pleasure. I wonder if you would start by briefly introducing yourself and the group that you work with and the book that you recently wrote.
1: Yeah, my name is Joseph Miller. I'm the founder of Positivity Beats IBD, which is a sponsor organization from Connecting to Kerr. And I'm the author of The Purple Rose, which is currently selling on Amazon.
0: Joseph, I've learned a lot about you from reading your book, The Purple Rose. But there's a few things that uh, kind of stuck out to me that I want to ask you about, if you don't mind. And the first is about your childhood. Yeah. Because you write in the book that you were born in Venezuela, but You didn't really give any more context than that. So can you tell me about (laughs) that and about some of the other places that you've lived?
1: Yeah, so I grew up kind of moving to a lot of different places. My dad works for the U.S. State Department. And so I lived in Venezuela and I was born there. And then I moved to Ecuador and then to Spain. And then I lived in the U.S. for about a year. And then I moved to Peru then Mexico and then I moved to back to the US and I've been here since 2020.
0: Wow. Okay. And how <laughs> how old are you now?
1: I'm 18.
0: So, you have actually lived most of your life not in the United States. Is that?
1: Yeah, that's right? correct. I think oh I I think I've lived 13 years overseas and this is my fourth or fifth. I think this is my fifth year living in the US.
0: Okay. And how is that for you? Because it has to be such a big change. I'm sure you're used to moving by now, if one could ever get used to moving from country to country. <laughs> um, but being back in the United States, it's it's got to be such a different thing to be going to school here versus going in Latin America. Yeah. Can you tell me about some of the differences?
1: Yeah, I think one that sticks out specifically is the language. I grew up specifically with a lot of students that spoke Spanish as their native language, Mm -hmm. whereas here it's primarily English and it's Mm -hmm. kind of rare to find students that speak Spanish. And another difference that I've seen is just the United States public school system has just so many students per grade. Mm -hmm. Um, I think living overseas, I usually have in my class, about 100, 150 students max. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, I think there's close to 400 students in my grade. So that's obviously been a huge difference because you can't get to know everyone here where you could overseas. But I've been loving my time here in the States. I really love it here.
0: Mm -hmm. Are you bilingual? Do you speak fluent Spanish? Do you plan to stay in the States? You're 18. Are you going to go to college here?
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to go to, I'm not 100% sure where I'm going to go to college to yet. I'm in the whole process of applying to them right now, but I definitely want to stay in the U.S. just because I think that's where most of my family is going to be in the future. Mm -hmm. And I want to be close to people that I know of. And whereas I did live overseas and I did get to meet a lot of incredible people, what I've seen is that a lot of them seem to be migrating to the United States too. Okay. And so I think I'd kind of be leaving a lot of people that I care about if I was to go overseas again.
0: That makes sense. All right, so you, we connected because you have written your book called The Purple Rose and it details your experiences with Crohn's disease. Is that what you would say or is it mostly fictional?
1: I would say that the story highlights the experience, I would say they very similarly reflect my experiences, but a lot of the extenuating circumstances aren't necessarily mine. I think a lot of the characteristics of the character itself, the main character, his name is Jacob Temple, aren't necessarily ones that we share. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think the diagnosis and the process of getting diagnosed were very, very similar. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So let's go through that. Let's go through your Crohn's disease diagnosis story. So can you tell me a little bit about how the symptoms started and what the diagnostic process was like? And where were you when you were diagnosed?
1: Yeah. So I was already living here in the U.S. I think this had been my second year living in the U.S., or maybe third. And I was studying. I was in kind of a really difficult process, kind of a Long process of studying for the SAT. And I was putting so much stress on myself to succeed in the exam, so much accumulated stress. I think that lasted almost, I think it was around 10 weeks of just constantly studying. Mm. And I think it was about a week before the exam when I started getting a lot of bowel movements. And at the time, I didn't think much of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we kind of just thought that it was just my stomach that was overreacting. My grandma was visiting. So we just thought I hadn't been eating the healthiest. Mm-hmm. And so I continued to have bowel movements for, I think, two weeks. The SAT ends. I take the exam and I want to say a week after the SAT, I had a bloody stool. And I just remember kind of thing like, Oh, that's not normal. Um, I kind of told my parents and they knew I wasn't eating the healthiest because my grandma was visiting,
0: mm-hmm. but they
1: continued and they continued. And so um, we got in contact with my pediatrician and she kind of got us in contact with the, with the right people to get me diagnosed. Um, but what really kind of spiraled the process for it to come sooner was that I went kind of through about a 14, 14 to 16 day period when, I lost about 18 pounds and wow. just couldn't walk very well. I, my hands, I just remember they kind of burned whenever I like tried to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a really kind of traumatic, but difficult experience. What eventually ended up happening is I think around three weeks later, I got a scheduled colonoscopy and then I was told that I had Crohn's disease.
0: So from beginning to end, was about a month? Was it more than a month?
1: I think, yeah, I think it was about a month, month and a half.
0: Okay. Wow. Which
1: I've heard is a lot better than what some other patients go through.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's actually really great to hear. Sometimes I get really disappointed when I hear how people have such a long diagnosis process yes. because I feel as though it should be better now than it was yeah. when I was diagnosed decades ago. And it just, in some cases doesn't seem to be. So actually that's really great that your pediatrician moved you along really quickly and everybody took it seriously, it sounds like.
1: It was definitely handled super kind of seriously and Mm -hmm. everyone was really worried about it. And I think what really, I don't wanna say helped me, but what really kind of put that in focus was when I went kind of through that difficult like 18 or 14, 15 day period.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the weight loss. Yeah. Which probably people could look at you, right, and see yes. that you had lost the weight. How did people yeah. around you react to that?
1: Well, first of all, my family is the most supportive of everything. They were just all so caring about it. I, at the time I was working, I couldn't work. I was falling behind at school because I just wasn't going to school every day. And just everyone was trying yeah. to do what they could. to keep me together. I definitely think socially or with my friends, it was a lot difficult for people to understand kind of what was happening. This is kind of the theory or kind of thought that I've come to. I think with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, they've become a little bit taboo to talk about because it involves everything with the digestive system. Mm -hmm. So I think when I got diagnosed, a lot of people, I don't want to say made fun of me, but they couldn't really understand the extent of it. And kind of almost found that as a joke, like, oh, you, you got diarrhea, ha, 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 and not really taking it for what it was. And so I definitely struggled socially with that. But I think that's been one of my driving forces to continue to work and kind of this field is to be a little bit more informative of what's happening because it's occurring to a lot of different people.
0: Let's switch gears a little bit because I want you to tell me about your organization, which is called Positivity Beats IBD. Why did you decide to start this work? And can you tell me about what your mission is?
1: Yeah, so our mission is to help patients with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis that are struggling either with their diagnosis or recent prolonged um, symptoms that they may be going through And we primarily support the patients by creating positive cards. And so in our first year and a half, we've been able to make, we just passed 750 cards um, for patients, primarily had been dedicated to people in the DC and Baltimore area. Mm -hmm. But we've been expanding now and we've been sending them to a lot of different places in the US, which has been really, really exciting. And we've done other activities and other kind of, or other initiatives to kind of drive the our motive forward.
0: So, who, how are you? How do you go about the process of making the cards?
1: So, we kind of like to divide. We make cards for two different groups of people because we can't kind of make a universal card we make cards for children and for adults mm-hmm. and so we kind of divide our sort our team into kind of the artists and kind of the people who write messages okay and so the artists do a lot of the detailed drawings and images for the patients for the younger patients whereas the other half will kind of make really inspiring messages and again kind of someone could quote someone could riddle someone include just stories that they've heard just to kind of try and inspire um the patient that might be reading the card.
0: Mm-hmm. So it also sounds like a really social activity. Does everybody yeah. get together in a room and create the cards?
1: Yeah, it's been a really great experience. We haven't we don't do it as much during the school year just because of logistical struggles and um just people being really busy, but during the summer we've I think done five or six total kind of social events we'll we'll have a sponsoring um, restaurant bring us food and we'll get drinks and it kind of creates this fun atmosphere and creative atmosphere where people are serving and helping other people with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis but at the same time having fun doing it with their friends
0: Mm -hmm. have you met other students or other kids who live with an IBD who have come to these events
1: yeah there's one friend who I won't say her name just in case she wants to keep it private, but <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs>
0: who was,
1: so we got diagnosed at the same time. And that's kind of how we came together and got really close. I got diagnosed in October. She got diagnosed in December mm-hmm. and friends, mutual friends kind of told us about each other's stories and how we had both kind of been through very similar circumstances, right? and so when she did hear about all these card-making events, she couldn't go to all of them, but whenever she couldn't, she was always sending and mailing me cards that she was making on her own free time to try and support the cause. Oh my gosh, that's so great. Thank you.
0: You've been really busy with Positivity Beats IBD, and somehow, and being a high school student, I have a high school student, my son, and... He He's incredibly busy all of the time, which is appropriate, but also somehow in the middle of this, you figured out how to write a whole book. Thank you. (laughs) So so you have a book out now called The Purple Rose. I have my copy here right next to my desk because I have been reading it. So talk to me a little bit about the structure of this book and how the narrative came to you, why you decided to structure it the way that you did.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I wanted to take the story from a lot of different themes and ideas, and I definitely pulled a lot of themes and ideas. I just kind of off the top of my head, I wanted to make a story that kind of revolved something similar to kind of what Wonder did a few years ago, what that book did, okay. and also take a lot of themes of kind of love and perseverance as a family and as friends, kind of through everything, everywhere, all at once, which is a film that came out, I think, about two years ago. And So the way I kind of structured the book, it's about this teenager, his name, I mentioned a little bit earlier, his name's Jacob Temple. And he has this dream to be in a musical. Mm -hmm. But he struggles a lot with anxiety and with just being very critical of himself. And so year after year after year, he kind of wants to try and he never kind of fully commits himself to even getting to the audition room and just kind of running away because he's just so nervous. And kind of right after all that happens, he gets diagnosed with Crohn's. And so what I wanted the story to create is kind of create this feeling of dread and regret in Jacob so that whenever he did overcome his Crohn's disease, he would completely alter and change the way he lived his life. Because I think that's something very similar that happened to me. I think when I got really sick, I lived a lot of these regrets. Of course, not knowing that I would have and get to feel better but there was this period i remember not knowing if i would feel ever that i would feel as i ever did before again and if i would have the same chance to participate and do all these activities that i enjoyed and so i wanted to kind of instill that very similar feeling in jacob so that when he did overcome it it would just be kind of very inspirational to the reader and along the way he needs some really great people he really bonds and strengthens his relationship with his family. So I think even though it's a story about Crohn's, I think it's also just a story about friendship and family and love. And I I just think that's a really important kind of story for people with a chronic illness or not.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. Seeing the arc of the character and how he learned from his experiences is so many things Learned who was going to, for lack of a better phrase, like be a good friend. yeah and who who wasn't a good friend and how to create boundaries for himself. And then also, it seemed to me that he learned how to sort of not leave anything on the table anymore. Yeah, you know, that he just was going to put himself a hundred percent into the goals that he had for himself. And which maybe is something that uh, people don't learn usually until later in life. So, uh, (laughs) but I think being diagnosed with a chronic illness, as you were saying, you wonder if you're ever going to feel better again. There's times when you feel like you may not, even though that's not true, you will feel better again. But that does take you to a place where you start to feel as though you have to take the chance and do everything that you can with it, yeah. and, I, and I think that's what came through in the narrative for me. Thank you. Now you said it's some of it is fiction, some of it maybe not so yeah. fictitious. Do you think that you've had the same kind of arc over the past couple of years?
1: Yeah, I I definitely think so. I think with a lot of different things, I don't necessarily feel in terms of musical theater. Um, <laughs> I do love musical theater. I don't know if that's kind of <laughs> the arc for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think for me, um, for me, I think the greatest change that I made in my life was not living in fear. That was one of the working titles I had for the book originally. I I thought about changing or making it to the power of fear, but mm-hmm. because I do think there is so much power that fear can kind of manipulate and have in our lives to kind of constrict us and limit us from doing a lot of things that that we wouldn't venture out and do if we hadn't overcome that. And so I think that's been one of the changes that I've had since I've been diagnosed.
0: a writer myself yeah so i understand a little bit about why some people choose to. i i understand why i choose to write and i say choose because it's not really a choice (laughs) (laughs) i don't really have sometimes i don't like the things that i write for a living yeah i do have a little bit of a choice but the things that i write for myself for instance my blog things like that honestly it's more of a compulsion yeah it has to leave my body through my fingers. So I'm wondering about your reasons for writing this book and what your writing process looks like.
1: It's exactly kind of what you mentioned. I, When I started writing this book, I was thinking it was going to take me, I thought it would take me a decent bit to write. Mm-hmm. I, it's a, I think it's 150 pages. And I started it around end of May, and I thought it would take me probably until beginning of November. Mm-hmm. I was completely done with it by the middle of August. Which kind of connecting back to what you said, when you're so gravitated by an idea or a story or something that you just want to share, it you can't really not do it. You, for me, I felt like I just had to write it and put it out, and I would spend hours and hours and hours just writing, and it would just feel kind of amazing to just let all these feelings kind of like flow out of me. And so that was something that really kind of has been amazing about writing. I I wrote a lot when I was younger, but kind of revisiting this after my diagnosis has been a really great experience.
0: I also find too, sometimes in writing about the more personal aspects of living with an IBD it is challenging because it is sort of, you're remembering it, you're sort of reliving it. How was that experience for you?
1: There's one section of the book for anyone who reads it, that primarily tackles telling um, Jacobs' experiences and and getting his diagnosis and going through his first symptoms. And that was the most challenging part of the book to write because you know, I talk about all these experiences that I went through, but to kind of sit down and rethink of them and almost relive them um, to such an extent was really kind of like emotionally challenging to do mm-hmm. because you're just trying to, you you want to get all this information down on the document or on the paper, but it kind of, it has so much trauma and so many difficult feelings associated with it that it can be difficult emotionally and mentally to do. And so that by far was the most challenging part of the book to do, but I I felt really committed to doing it because I, I hoped and knew that there would be some payoff for the character if done right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of it really resonated with me. I mean, it's been a very long time since I was a teenager, but still, you know, I think some of the experiences are a little bit universal Uh, especially when you're diagnosed as a teenager. So some of the things that the character goes through, I I definitely recognized. And then I also had some other thoughts being a parent myself. uh, What did your parents have to say about your writing this book?
1: I didn't tell them I was writing the book. (laughs) 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 So I, I, for those, um listening I've published two books and Mm -hmm. I didn't tell my parents about the first one I didn't tell my parents (laughs) about the second because and a lot of people ask me like why did you do that and I was like well I feel that if I tell people that I'm writing a book Mm -hmm. they're gonna hold me to some agenda that creatively I don't know if I can like live up to yep there was days writing this book, or there was even just a week where I just like didn't even want to write anything because I didn't feel inspired to write at that moment or at that day. So that's why I've been. That's why I kept it a little bit of a secret. But so for the first book, I surprised my dad first, and then kind of shared with my entire family. And with this one, I shared with my mom first, and it was funny. Her first reaction was like, "Did you copy this off the internet?" And I was like, "No." Mom. Oh, I- <laughs> I wrote all this <laughs> um but so oh, their their reactions and their support for the book have been great and um yeah, it's been just a fun experience with my family to do all this
0: Joseph, you kind of buried the lead here you you wrote another book yeah <laughs> what is that book about
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of connects to um what I talked about earlier with the with moving a lot mm-hmm. something that i that I struggled with a lot with moving I'm multicultural I'm half Mexican half American mm-hmm. and I just I remember feeling when I was younger to fit in a little bit because I didn't feel like I fully culturally um fit into either culture or not and until I moved to, to Mexico in the United States I had this idea of like when I move back to Mexico or the U.S. I will feel kind of like I fit in
0: yeah
1: and it wasn't true for either of those mm. And so the book kind of tackles the idea that it's okay to not fit in and it's okay to have differences. It's a children's book. It's not kind of um, a poetry book. And it's told through the story of an axolotl that um, goes through those experiences.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm interested in this in This book. What's the title of that book?
1: The book is called The Axolotl That Lost Himself.
0: Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> Thank and how you. old were you when you wrote that book?
1: I wrote it earlier this year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I published the first book. I was done with it earlier, but I was trying to navigate yeah. the publishing process. Right. I finished it around mid May, and I finished this one about mid August. So I'd written about a tenth. What kind of ended up happening was I'd written about a tenth or a fifth of the purple rose. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got this idea to do the axolotl that lost himself. And I knew it'd be a shorter project to do. So I took kind of like two months from this book to do that. And then I came back and I just worked nonstop on this book.
0: Right, right. I don't know if there's a name for that process, but I recognize it when you're in the middle of a big project and you stop and do a smaller project I think it's almost at least for me when I do that it's because I I need some kind of completion I need to
1: yeah
0: (laughs) I need to feel like I've completed (laughs) something um in the middle of the bigger project until I can complete that yeah
1: because since the big project takes so long to complete it can I remember just writing it and being like this is taking me forever to do but Mm -hmm. it can be kind of a long time and I'm very lucky i summer break right when I was writing this book, because if I didn't, I don't know how long it would have taken me to fully write it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. So, all right. You've got a lot going on. People are going to want to help you. Yeah. So what can the IBD community or the wider chronic illness community, because I could see positivity beats IBD is, is a little bit bigger than that. Yeah. What can the community do to help support you in your work?
1: Yes. Yeah, so for, spe- for specifically for Positivity Beats IBD, I think the best way to help would be to get in contact with us through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, our Instagram account is called Positivity Beats IBD. And either send us a DM or message us on one of our posts and express to us an interest of either making positive cards or sending in a donation. And we'd be happy to kind of manage the process from there and work with you to kind of make sure your donations, whether through cards or monetary, can make it to the right people. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support the Purple Rose, the best way is to buy a copy of the book and share it. Um, because I think specifically for people with chronic illnesses, there's some positive themes in there and inspiring themes that can help someone that might be going through a difficult time and maybe need it support of an uplift.
0: I agree 100%. I think especially for teens and young adults that are newly diagnosed, I think your book will really speak to them and maybe give them an idea of what the process is like, that you won't always be as sick as you are at diagnosis, for instance, and that yeah, you can live a full life and you can go on to achieve your goals. I th- I think those messages are really important. And I kind of wish... <laughs> I didn't ask my kids to read your book. I'm going to. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask my kids to read your book because I'm interested to know what their thoughts would be because I was reading it from my own perspective, having been diagnosed as a teen in the long, long ago. Yeah. But obviously being... A teenager is a lot different now today than it was when I was a teenager. So I'd be interested to hear also what my kids think about it. And also because I think books like these, like I've said, they'll be great for people who are living with an IBD. But I also think that it's important for young people who don't live with an illness to read something like this, to get that perspective, hopefully so that they are supportive of people in their life who are experiencing something difficult or something traumatic, so that they can see what it was like for Jacob to have a friend who was supportive, and how they could be that supportive friend. So anyway, I just really enjoyed your book. Thank you.
1: (laughs) I really appreciate it.
0: um and so you're very busy it is a very interesting and busy and hopeful time of life I think yeah being uh, a high school senior and getting ready to go to college what do you do when you're not writing a book <laughs> uh, what do you what do you do for fun what uh what do you and your friends do
1: we love to play video games yeah we love to watch movies. I am a huge, huge, huge Marvel fan, Star Wars fan. Um, I really, really like to watch baseball. It's the off season right now. So there aren't any games on right now. But I think just, I I love just getting on and um, with my friends to play their video games or to watch a movie and spend some time with them, especially because I have friends, maybe not all of them here, but in different places around the world. So technology has been has been amazing. And just kind of being able to communicate with other people. And a lot the pandemic was kind of very helpful because new technology and apps and other things appeared so that you could watch movies together. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I enjoyed to do.
0: Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this though. Yeah. All right. I have to ask you about the star Wars fandom okay. because we're, we're giant star Wars fans yeah. in my house and I'm old enough that I saw episode for in the theater as a small child. Okay, so I'm just giving you the perspective of where I'm coming from. If you were to tell someone to watch the movies, what order would you tell them to watch them
1: in? Oh, that's such a hard question. (laughs) Uh, My heart is saying, one, starting from The the Phantom Menace Mm -hmm. and moving forward, Mm -hmm. but... I think really what you should do is start from the new hope.
0: Yes, that is the correct yeah, answer. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, I think you, I think you have to start from the new hope. I really do. Keep, I know. Keep, keep yourself located from where you're at on the timeline, but I think that's the correct order.
0: Right. hundred percent agree. And I think because if you watch them in the, chronological order and now you're going to learn like what a huge nerd i am um but i think if you if you watch them like one two three four five six seven eight nine like i think that's confusing and i think if you watch one two and three and then you try to watch four you're going back in time to films that were made in the 70s i think that would be so jarring yeah and so strange
1: I, i definitely agree I yeah, I agree, because I also think the films are shot so differently, kind of yes, written differently, tonally differently that it would be very odd to kind of make that. I think it's an easier transition to do four, five, and six, and then go to one, two, three, then it would be one, two, three, four, five, six, and then the new trilogy, which is divisive in and of itself.
0: <laughs> <sighs> oh, well, you know. I love all of it. Me too. Uh, I always have, and it's just—it's great. So, well, thank you for nerding out with me for a, a little bit, and uh, you agree with me, so I really love that as well. Because there are people that do not, uh, and that's—that's uh, that's not great. Because four, five, six, one, two, three, yeah. seven, eight, nine is the correct order, and that is the hill that I will die on. All right, uh, Joseph, um, where can people buy the purple rose?
1: The Purple Rose is selling on Amazon. You can either look up The Purple Rose or you can look me up as an author. My author name is Joseph Alexander Miller, and both of my books should come up there, but specifically The Purple Rose should be up there when you look up my name. Mm -hmm.
0: Perfect. And I will put that information in the show notes to make it a little bit easier, along with your social media information. Joseph, Thank you so much for connecting with me and for doing this episode with me. And I am really just so grateful for your work that you're doing with Positivity Beats IBD. And then also for your books, now that I know (laughs) that there's more than one. And thank you so much for talking with me today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better.
1: Thank you so much, Amber. It was such a fun time. And I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Hey, Super Listener, thanks to Joseph Miller for taking the time away from school and all his projects to speak with me. If you want to support his mission, you can follow Positivity Beats IBD on Instagram or by his books, The Purple Rose and The Axolotl That Lost Himself on Amazon. Plus, as always, links to her in transcript, everyone's social media handles, and more information on the topics we discussed is in the show notes and on my episode 143 page on AboutIBD.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Mal Intel Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Mix and sound design is by Mac Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio.